houses of worship, churches as essential places that provide essential services. Man, you have a problem figuring out what you're for me is wrong, and you ain't black. Corn Pop was a bad dude, and he ran a bunch of bad boys. I can hardly wait to meet with that guy who is the stable genius. Come on, man. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Wealthy kids. Black, white, all colors, all backgrounds, but I mean, come on, man. It's not racist at all, no, not at all. It comes from China. China. It comes from China. It's not racist at all, no, not at all. It comes from China. Strongsville Christian Church The Spirit of the Lord is upon me Because He hath anointed me to preach good news I'd like to welcome everyone to Strongsville Christian Church It's war time They didn't choose a side They didn't choose for there to be a war Nobody wants to be born in a war but yet there is a war, and it's going to be our decision, not whether there's a war or not. We have no control. We can't stop the war. We're in the war. But what we can do is we can prepare for the war, and we can go to war. And we have to choose whose side are we going to be on. Are we going to be on the Lord's side? Or are we going to be on the devil's side? Amen. We're going to make that choice. And sometimes just because you were on the devil's side fighting his battle doesn't mean you have to stay on his side. Sometimes God will take back uh, enemies from the other camp. They're called prisoners of war. And they'll go through great lands to deliver prisoners of war. Amen. They'll send out missions. They'll send out qualified people to take back what the devil stole. Amen. The devil used me for a half of my life to fight his battles, to fight his war. But then how many know God snatched me back? And he raised me up as a warrior in Christ. I want to talk to you today about it's war time. How many know there is a war on truth? There's a war on truth. I even did an entire sermon just on that one point alone. How I many you know there's a war on life? There's a war on life. The devil can't stand life. He's a, he is a god, a little god of death. That is why the Satanists, they celebrate Halloween. Halloween is a celebration of death. Amen? But our God is a God of life, and so whatever God is a God of, the God of the Bible, the devil is at war at what he's for. So if God said, I come to give you life and that much more abundantly, then the devil said, I come to take your life and kill, steal, and destroy. And there is a war on life. There is a depopulation agenda by spiritual wickedness in high places. That is why abortion is being pushed all over. And they often raise up abortion clinics in the ghetto, in the projects, in the lower uh, income areas, and they put these abortion clinics. Why? Because there is a war on life. There is a war on the family. 
just the family unit, husbands and wives and children and, and, and children honoring their parents and parents loving their children and husbands loving wives and wives loving husbands. There is a war on the family. And so the devil is trying to attack it at all times. And if you stand on God's word, how many of you know there is a war against the word of God? The word, the devil's going to try to twist it. He's going to try to sugarcoat it. He's going to try to add to it, take from it, water it down, leave it out, misquote it, misrepresent it, and try to twist the word of God. But how many of you know, I'm telling you now, it's time to go to war. Amen. It's time to go to war. you got to go to war in the house of God. How many of you know every time we come here, we are getting equipped to go back to war? We're not sitting on these pews just to be idle. We're going to go to war. I don't care if you take a walk in the park. you got to go to war. I don't care if you go to work and you Uber. you got to go to war. I don't care if you're on the road. You ever seen the road rage out there? The middle fingers. They're flying like the eagles of the sky. You don't have to do nothing. I get people literally mad at me because I stop at a red light. They don't see the red light. I see it, I stop, and they cuss me out. Every time you get in your car, you're going to go to war. You might not want to go to war. You might, might want it to be peaches, rainbows, and butterflies, and everything hunky-dory. But in reality, the devil has set a war against you, especially when you are claimed by the blood of Jesus. When you are claimed in the Holy Spirit, the devil has set war on your forehead. There is a target on your back. We are public enemy. And even in different countries, the church is now looked at as the enemy. You have extreme, liberal, demonically ran states, even in this country, and California, and New York, and Washington, and they, they don't even want people to go to church anymore. And certain parts of Canada, they don't want you going to church. They don't want you praising the Lord. Amen? You could go to the abortion clinic. You could even go to the strip club. You could go to the bar, get drunk, buy all the cigarettes you want. There's no war on those things. But when it comes to the house of God, the devil set war. How many of you know the devil put war on you to even get here? The devil try to put people in your place, put thoughts in your mind and try to block you and stop you because he doesn't want you getting armed up. He knows that if you come into God's house, your sword is going to get sharpened. He knows that if you come into God's house, you're going to go from depression to strength. You're going to go from discouragement to encouragement. You're going to increase in your power of God and your wisdom of God, your knowledge of the word. He doesn't want that to happen your sword to be dull. And I gotta, I, it doesn't matter if you have a photographic memory, even the best of us, we need to be renewed in the Spirit. We need to hear the Word of God. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. It's wartime. Do you know what that means? It's wartime. It's wartime. It's not vacation time. It's not sit back and go on a cruise time. It's war time. And you know what I discovered? When you are in the army of the Lord, even if you do go on a cruise, 
Even if you go on vacation, when you're anointed of God, it's wartime on that cruise ship. Your cruise ship will turn into a battleship. Demons recognize your authority. Demons recognize your ownership, that you are owned and bought by the blood of the Lamb. And demons will recognize, even if you go to the Bahamas on a hammock. How many know Jonah tried to escape the war? He tried to run from the presence of God. And what happened? How many of you know when you're called by God, the war will follow you? The war will literally follow you. But here's my thing to you. Why make the war run after you? Why not run into battle? Why not go into the enemy's camp and take what he stole from you? Why not go into the cracks and the crevices of the earth and preach the word of God? Why sit back in defense mode? I'm telling you that it's our time to rise up in the name of Jesus and go to war in the name of Jesus. Go into the enemy's camp. That's why we go into the nursing homes, we go into the prisons, we go on the street corners. We don't wait for the enemy to come to us. We go to the enemy. And we're going to preach the word of God. Forgiveness gives us discernment to recognize who the true enemy is. We are a handicapped warrior. You ever heard that saying, wounded warrior? If we hold on to unforgiveness, we are a wounded warrior. And we can still do some things for Christ... But it is going to be highly restricted because you're going to be carrying around those wounds. You're going to be operating out of bitterness. You're going to be operating out of unforgiveness. And you're going to be operating out of a heaviness. And that's going to affect your performance in this war. And the Bible says that if you have unforgiveness, you can't even be saved. You can't even be saved. And if you have unforgiveness in your heart towards anybody... then you'll start to be used by the enemy's side. And I got to tell you, if you've been wounded, that doesn't make you a weak person. In fact, some of the strongest, the mightiest, the gifted men of God, they get wounded. But they don't allow that to defeat them. It's not a matter of if you get wounded. It's a matter of when. And if you are prepared to forgive, even before the offense comes, you will grow in God. And here's the thing, folks. The devil wants us walking around all wounded and with an unforgiven heart, with bitterness and anger. And then when we're all stirred up emotionally like that, then we cannot discern who the enemy is. We start taking things personal for the folks that actually love us and are on our side. We start attacking them because we can't recognize who the enemy is because the enemy is within when we have unforgiveness. I heard a preacher this morning, he started talking about, he started talking about passive aggress aggressiveness. 
passive aggressiveness, that there are some people, when they're hurt by someone, they start operating in passive aggressive. Instead of them coming in humility to the person who hurt them and, and operating in straightforwardness, truth to truth, and say, hey, look, what you've done, whether you did it on purpose or whether you did it unaware, you've hurt me. People don't say that stuff anymore. They don't do that anymore. What they do is they, they try to build up all these walls around their hearts and, and they start lashing out at everyone through passive aggressiveness because they know that their anger is not right in the eyes of God. They know their unforgiveness is not right in the eyes of God. And so they try to cover up being right in the eyes of God and they lash out everywhere they go through passive aggressiveness. And then what happens is, whether they intend to or not, they start getting used by the enemy. Not wanting to be used, but being used. They allow their emotions, they allow their wounds to control their words. They allow their emotions and their wounds to control their actions and their choices, and it starts to control their life. How many know we're not called by God to live that way? Forgiveness gives us discernment to recognize who the true enemy is. And i got to tell you, the enemy is no person. I don't care if it's Hitler. I don't care who it is. There's no person that is the enemy. I'm not saying Hitler did good, but I'm saying there were demons within Hitler. And those demons, when Hitler died, those demons didn't die. You understand that? Those demons that were operating in Hitler, you don't think they're still operating in some poor soul today? And we have to recognize that when we grow in Christ, it's never personal, it's spiritual. Mark eleven twenty five. 25, it says, when you stand praying, forgive. Do you see that? When you stand and you go to church, you in order for you to really receive in the house of God, you have to first forgive. Otherwise, what happens is if you hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness, it blocks your ears from hearing what thus says the Lord. If you have bitterness and, and anger and hatred and all that unforgiveness, it blocks your eyes from God showing you what he has in store for you. It blocks your vision. And look at what it says. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any. It doesn't matter. It could be your husband. It could be your wife. It could be your children. It could be your parents. It could be your sisters, your brothers, co-workers, ex-co-workers. They could, you know what? The devil is so shrewd. He'll have folks being bitter and angry at people that actually died. They're dead, and they're still holding on to unforgiveness. I've seen it. It's insane. The devil will have you insane. Well, 50 years ago, back when they were alive, you know, they did me wrong. They didn't even get me no ice cream. But did you forgive? No, I ain't forgiving them. But they're dead. Mature Christians don't have nothing to prove don't need to fight every battle themselves. 
Folks, a true warrior doesn't, ha it doesn't go out in the battlefield with something to prove. They're not out there trying to make a legend for themselves, especially when we're Christians. We're not trying to make a legend for ourselves. We're lifting up who is already the legend, and that is Jesus Christ. And so we don't have nothing to prove on the battlefield. We don't have to try to cast out uh, 10,000 demons or whatever. We're not comp competing with one another. We're competing in Christ. Mature Christians that have nothing to prove don't need to fight every battle themselves. There are some battles that God is not sending you down. In Christ, in this war that we're in, we need to learn to fight another day. And sometimes the enemy snares us into battles that he didn't call for us. And we have to know which battle God is leading us into. You know, as a pastor, I can't do everything. I need to depend on the elders, the deacons, on my wife, on even the members. I need to depend on other folks to do certain things. I can't fight every battle on my own. And I have to recognize that. And when you realize that it's not your job to fight every battle on your own, and you have the humility to reach out for someone who's known to go to certain battles and certain wars, they have experiences in certain departments, and you go to him or her and say, hey, I know that you have experience in this department. I know from your testimony that you struggled in this area. Can you pray for me? I I'm really bound. I don't want to be bound. I'm struggling. Can you pray for me? Can you lay hands on me? Anoint me with oil. You've been there and God delivered you. How did you get free? You see, instead of trying to fight the battle on your own, there are some battles God never intended for us to... See, what did Jesus say? He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you find yourself walking around with everything hard and everything burdened and everything cumbersome and everything heavy and you're struggling all the time, it could be that you're taking on battles that God wanted you to reassign to someone else. Now, am I giving you the license to run from every battle in every situation and never fight any battle and never do anything on your own? I'm not saying that either. There are some battles that you don't need backup. It, God is calling you into battle. He wants you to go in. In Exodus 17.10, it says, So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. Do you see that? Moses went to the mountaintop. Moses had a relationship with God that no man on earth had. He had such an anointing on him that literally when he came down from the mountaintop, his face actually shined. His face actually glowed. And it was so bright that people couldn't even look at him. And even then, he still ordered Joshua to go to the battle. Now, how many of us are like this? Stand back, Joshua. Do you know who I am? Don't you know how anointed I am? Don't you know how powerful I am? I came down with tablets written with the 
fingerprint of God. How dare I got this? You see, some of us, we get like that. Sending someone else to fight a battle for you doesn't make you any less important. It doesn't devalue you. And it doesn't show weakness. In fact, it shows strength. And it shows strategy. Don't you know that an airline... Are the folks that fly the planes, the Air Force, they don't parachute abandoning their plane and land on a ship, a battleship, and start taking over the battleship. No, there are some battles that are fought better in the water. And there are some battles that are fought better in the air. And that doesn't mean that the Air Force is more important than the Navy or the Navy more important than the Air Force. They are different roles. And see, as Christians, we have different roles. It doesn't mean that the pastor is more important than the deacon or the deacon more than the elder. There's different callings. You have preachers, you have pastors, you have evangelists, you have prophets, you have teachers. You have different gifts and different callings, and they are all important. And they're all needed in the kingdom of God. And in the war of God, they're all needed. And I like Moses. He said, Moses, go out there. Take care of that for me. And Moses didn't say, I'm not, or, uh, excuse me, Joshua didn't say, I'm not going out there, Moses. Who do you think you are bossing me around? Tell me what to do. He could have done that. He could have said, no, you're the one that went up to the mountaintop, not me. You go out there. When we are connected to the right people in war, we are unstoppable in Christ. Amen? When we are connected to the right people in war, we are unstoppable in Christ. If you find yourself always getting whooped by the enemy, it could be that you're surrounded by the wrong comrades. They might be a double agent, secret agent, double agent. They might be working for the enemy's camp, and we think they're with us, but they actually might be against us. But when you're connected to the right people with the right God, Jesus Christ, you're unstoppable in Christ. Exodus 17, 11, it says, As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. Israel prevailed. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and sat on it. And Aaron and Hur held his hands up when one on another side and one on the other so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekites' army with the sword. Why was Joshua overcoming? Because God had it where if the 
hands were raised up, we would be winning the war. How many know that when we go to church, the Bible says lift up holy hands. And when you're raising your hands to the Lord, it's not a religious thing. It is a spiritual redemption that when we're raising our hands to the Lord, we are like Moses winning the war. We are like Moses winning and battling against the enemy. That's why when we have our praise and worship, it's just not something that we do. We're actually going to war with demons. We're going to war with Satan. We're going to war with evil thoughts and curses and all types of things. When we lift up holy hands as unto the Lord, we are in the war. No war hero... hero no war hero fights alone. Where's my drummer on that joke? But don't boom. No war hero fights alone. You think about that. If you look at real war heroes that had all the medals and the medallions and they had all the stuff, the uh, the the uh, ribbons and they have all these things. Do you think they really fought that war alone by themselves? Now, granted, they had acts and opportunities of bravery which set them apart. But even the greatest war heroes, they don't fight alone. Now, we have this Hollywood mentality that we look at someone like Bruce Lee. Weighing 100 pounds. Yeah, he can scream. And we want to be like Bruce Lee. When it comes to the enemy surrounding us in all angles, we no, I got it. Yeah, and then some of the folks wanted to fight the battle. Bruce Lee holds them back. I got it. And go out there and whoop 30 people. Look, I've done prison ministry. Ain't no Bruce Lee's in prison. You ain't going to whip 30 people. You might at best be able to get two or three. It just doesn't happen. That's not reality. Or you got Rambo putting his mud on. Uh, going to war. Putting that, that black mark, going to war. Mud on his face. Taking out a whole military. Yeah, right. Some woman with a bag would whoop you. <laughs> but see, we, we, we are entertained by these myths. And it gets in our spirit like, yeah, I don't need no help. I got this. That, this is why a lot of folks don't go to church because they're in their mind they're like a spiritual Bruce Lee in their mind they're like a spiritual Rambo oh, I don't need a pastor I don't need the day look you need everyone you might not recognize it but you need from the janitor to the lawn care guy you need every all the help in this life in this day and age 
The Bible said that even the just and the righteous scarcely make it into heaven. The Bible says that the road that leads to eternal life is narrow and few be that find it. That tells me I need all the help. That's why when you hear me preaching and, and I pastor this church, you're not getting just me. You're getting all the pastors that I'm connected to that you don't even know about, that you'll never meet. The people that I go to on a daily basis, the people that I go to on a weekly basis and ask for prayer and ask for counsel and ask for wisdom. Why? Because I recognize that even the greatest war hero doesn't fight alone. Yeah, I made up a new word. Here you go. I'm rolling with it. When you preach, you can choose your own words and pronounce them the way you like. Philippians. Philippians 2.25. It says, but I think it is necessary to send back to you, Euphrates, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier. This means even Apostle Paul, as great as he was, as anointed as he was, casting out demons, raising the dead, healing the blind, all the powerful miracles that he did, even himself, he needed a fellow soldier. Do you see that? It's wartime. Who is also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. Even Apostle Paul, one of the greatest spiritual warriors that God chose, who used to kill Christians, who God took away his vision and restored it. Even him, he had enough humility to recognize that he needed fellow soldier. Do you see that? But I can't tell you how many folks now, they know better than God. They know more than God's word. They are experts upon experts, and they don't need a fellow soldier. They're going to go in like Bruce Lee and handle all the privately. Do you see pride? The Bible says pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before fall. Do you see, it is our pride and our ego that makes us think that we don't need fellow soldiers. And they don't realize before they even got to the war, they're already defeated by their own pride. Our greatest spiritual weapon is using the name of Jesus. Amen. Folks, I'm going to tell you what. If you can learn to use the name of Jesus, you will be powerful in the kingdom of God. Amen. Now that just sounds like a good religious thing that a pastor is supposed to say. How many are blown away with that revelation? Like you almost fainted. You're God smacked. You're in awe. You got goosebumps. You see, because we've heard that so many times that we become desensitized to really valuing his name. And we forget because we've heard. How many know when you hear something over and over, it's not as special. It loses its 
power. But I got to tell you, the Bible says at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. There is something in the name Jesus. And now it sounds good to say that. But I got to tell you, God allowed me to put that name to the test just recently. Just recently, I was going into Walgreens in Middleburg, not in the ghetto, not in East Cleveland, not in the hood, not on St. Clair. No, in Middleburg with the rich folks. And I got to tell you, when you think that you're in a certain area or city, you can forget that the devil don't care about any boundaries. He don't care about the income level. He don't care about the property market. He don't care about how wealthy people are. The devil is everywhere. Not at the same time, but his demons are on a mission. One third of the angels that got kicked out of the heaven are on this earth. And I went to Walgreens for one to get some exercise because I'm, people said because I'm married, I'm happy. And that is why I'm heavy, because I'm so happy. Well, I am too happy. Amen. I am ludicrous happy. <laughs> and so I decided to become a little bit less happy and do some exercising, it's just a light walk. And I walked from my house down to the uh, Walgreens on Pearl Road in Middleburg. I could hear the devil saying, Pastor, you need to up your game up. That ain't what is it, a quarter mile? You gotta start somewhere. And I'm walking this quarter mile or whatever it is, and I get to Walgreens and I'm there to get some of these uh, little flexible toothpicks. And I'm, I'm not there thinking that I'm going to go to war with the devil. I'm there thinking I'm going to pay $2.99 and be on my way. How many know the devil is waiting to catch you off guard? The Bible says be instant and ready in season and out of season. How many know the devil don't care about nothing about Walgreens? He don't care whether you're ready to go to war or not. In fact, he wants to catch you off guard. And so here I am walking into Walgreens, and I, I got my toothpicks, and I hear this very large man, about double my size. And I, I don't see him, but I hear him in the next aisle over, and the way he's talking, it sounds like a parent disciplining a child. That's what it sounded like. He's yelling, he's screaming, and he's just like at the top of his lungs just yelling. And then you ever hear like tension and all of a sudden like you just feel a heaviness and an awkwardness and there's like tension in the atmosphere? That's what I felt and I never saw what was going on. I just heard it. And I was like, man, that guy's really laying into his children. And then I walk around and I see it's, there, it's two adults. There's no children. It is a, a man who's screaming at his girlfriend or his wife, and he's using the F word, and he was like, F you. He's like, do it again. I'm warning you right now. Do it again. And this guy 
is legitimately scary. And I've done prison ministry with killers and ruthless felons and top gang leaders and OGs. I've done prison ministry, and it, even then, this guy intimidated me. I felt my heart beating. I felt the spirit of fear come all upon me. My adrenaline started pumping, and then all this stuff was going on. And I'm over here to get some toothpicks. And I'm in the middle of a domestic violence. Like, this guy is just, and you could see this woman is utterly defeated. She's utterly defeated. She's just got her head down like this, uh, trying to hold off the tears. And you can see the fear that whatever fear I felt, she felt it a thousand times more. But here's the thing with fear. I don't do good with fear. When fear comes on me, I don't let it stay on me. I'm not saying it don't come on me. I don't operate in fear. It doesn't have a place with me. Because I recognize the Bible says fear is a spirit. And that spirit transferred from that guy using that intimidate. See, the devil uses a fear tactic to try to manipulate and control to get what he wants. And so at that moment, a pastor friend of mine, or actually he's a mentor, pastor mentor of mine, he called me on the phone, and uh, you could tell in my voice I was a little bit rattled. And I told him what was happening, and I said, Pastor, I said, we need to pray right now. He's like, what's going on? I said, just pray. I said, there's this guy screaming and cussing out. And meanwhile, there's a bunch of people in Walgreens, they see it, they all ignore it. The pharmacy ignores it. The co-workers, they look at it. They look at me and they walk away. They don't want no part of it. And I didn't have liberty to do that. And so I'm, I'm talking to the pastor. He said, you know what? He said, we're taking authority over those demons right now in the name of Jesus. So he starts... I get off the phone with him, and I start yelling real loud. I walk right up to him, and I say, in the name of Jesus. And I kept saying, in the name of Jesus. And this guy's double my size. I kept saying over and over, in the name of Jesus, we take authority over those demons. In the name of Jesus. I said it just like that. I didn't whisper it. I didn't suggest it. I yelled in the name of Jesus. 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 We take authority over the devil. And this is what I said. In the middle of Walgreens, spiritual warfare, it's time for war. You know what happened? This guy in the natural, he could have mopped me. And the natural, he could have destroyed me. But in the spiritual, he couldn't come near me. And this guy, I looked in his eyes. His eyes were demon-possessed. And this guy, double my size, after I did that, he immediately, not 10 years later, I didn't have to grab anointing oil and speak in tongues. I would have. I didn't have to get to that point. We didn't need 10 hours this was a matter of 10 seconds. Some of the most powerful battles happen in seconds. 
Even natural fights, if you ever watch a natural fight, they don't go on for hours like the movies suggest. Real fights last minutes. A minute. If sometimes under. I've seen a lot of fights. Unfortunately, I've seen a lot of violence, and they just don't go on for hours and hours. And i got to tell you, in the spirit realm, they don't go on for hours and hours either. We either take authority over the devil or we don't. Or he takes authority over us. And I'm telling you, as I kept saying, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, this guy immediately, instantly leaves his girlfriend or wife. Instantly walks away from her. And then he looked at me in confusion. And this is what the guy did. He, he walked away from her and he was like, the fear that was in her the fear that jumped on me, it came back and jumped on him. And the man that was now the antagonist became tormented by his own demons. You see, there is power in the name of Jesus. And that did not happen. Please hear my heart and not my head. This did not happen because I'm a pastor. It's got nothing at all to do with that. I've been doing these things since I became a Christian. If you are a brand new baby, born again Christian, then you have a right to the name of Jesus. You have a right to use his name over the enemy. You need to go into your house and start saying in the name of Jesus. I'm going to tell you what, demons hate that name. And this again, this ain't something I sat down in theology school and they, you know, we worked it on paper. This is something that just happened. It's time... It's wartime. Our greatest spiritual weapon is using the name of Jesus. In Luke 10, 17, it says, oh, you know what? I left out a part, part of the story I feel is important. There was a, there was a older, but not too old, I would say about 45, 50-year-old gentleman that was at the pharmacy, and he looked at me when I kept saying in the name of Jesus. He had the same opportunity to try to stop what happened. But he didn't. He let it go on. And I'm going to tell you what, if God gave us authority to stop something, and I'm not saying be nosy bodies and meddle into everyone's business, but when you see something happening that you know is not right and you overlook it, then you become used of the devil. Not saying that you, you're a bad person or that's what you want, but that's what happens. Jesus said this. He said, you're either for me or you're against me. Those that are not gathering are scattering. We, may need, we need to make up a decision. My mind is going faster than my mouth. Whose side are we on? And this man, he had the same opportunity. In fact, he was there longer than I was. He had more time. And this guy that watched it was even bigger than me. And the natural. And so he overlooked it, but he heard and watched me dominate in Christ that whole situation by using the name of Jesus. And you know what I had on my T-shirt? Strong still Christian church. 
Now, again, I didn't go there for that. And this man, we looked at each other. He saw me. And you know what happened? That same man that did nothing, as I was walking back, I saw the police officer pull someone over. And I said, I wonder if that's that guy that was all acting crazy. And it wasn't him. It was the guy who did nothing. He got pulled over by the police. And I walked by, and I saw the police officer look at me. I was trying not to be nosy. I was acting like I had some other business. I was going this way. He got pulled over that way. I literally crossed the street. I went out of my way to see who got pulled over. Just curious. Because I know God is always up to something. And I walk across the street, and I look at the guy, and the guy looks at me. The same guy that saw me used the name of Jesus. And we just looked at each other. And I looked at the police officer, and I pretended like I was doing something, and then I walked back. <laughs> Maybe it's all a coincidence. Luke 10, 17, it says, And the 70 returned again, joy, saying, Lord, even the devils, hear this, folks, even the devils are subject unto us. Do you see that? Even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. You could use, I command you, devil, in the name of Pastor Joseph. And ain't nothing going to happen. Through the name of Jesus, the devils are subject unto us. Remember that. Next time the devil wreaks havoc, remember that name. You all have that authority. Start using the name of Jesus and watch what happens. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold. I give you power to tread on serpents, on scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding, and this rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That means that when you go to war with the devil, even whatever happens it doesn't even matter because your name is written on the Lamb's book of life. And that heaven is your home when you die. Remember that. Spiritual battle is often in our mind, and our mind needs to be trained by God's word. Do you see that? Spiritual battle, it takes place right here in our mind. I'm not saying it doesn't take place anywhere else, but... One of the battlegrounds is in our mind. We have to battle our own thoughts. All of you, you had to battle your own mind just to get here today. And our mind needs to be trained by God's word. Philippians 4 says, Finally, brethren, what's 
whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue and there be any praise, think on these things. Do you see, when we train our mind in God's word to think on things that are pure, lovely, praiseworthy, good report, then the devil loses ground. I don't believe that the devil has the power to read our mind or to know what we're thinking, but I do believe he puts thoughts in our mind. And he uses it to tempt us, to confuse us, to, 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 to be fearful, to doubt. When we dominate our thoughts through Christ, we will dominate the spiritual war. Because i got to tell you, even when I ran into that situation at Walgreens, you don't think I heard thoughts of saying, man, that's none of your business. It's not your responsibility. You don't want to get involved with that. What if that man whoops you from here to Toledo? What if that man kills you? What if he beats you up and you all go to jail? What happens if you go into an all-right boxing war in the middle of Walgreens and, and shelves are knocked over and teeth are flying everywhere? You see, the devil will give you all kinds of thoughts. That may never happen. Mike Tyson, one of the greatest fighters in the world, heavyweight world champion, he always said every battle began in his mind. And if he could take authority over his opponent and psych him out, it's called skullduggery, the, the art of war, that if he can intimidate his opponent and overthrow his opponent mentally, he said, I win before I ever even fight. And that's what the devil wants to do to us. He wants to win before we ever even fight. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, which means they're not natural, but mighty through God, to pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That means every thought, every imagination that comes to you, you need to bring that thought to the obedience of Christ. And if Jesus leads you into Walgreens... Now, here's the thing. I didn't just go in there and start saying in the name of Jesus, you know, there's two old ladies debating on what type of bread is better. You know, I like Wonder Bread. No, I like uh, Eckridge. You know, and, and I start saying in the name of Jesus. You see, that's not the time to throw out the name of Jesus. Two little kids arguing about Cheerios and Fruit Loops. Which one is better? You don't have to do spiritual war there. And I got to tell you, a lot of times when God you to do real spiritual war it's often a war that you don't want a part of and that's it the playground for miracles that is the stomping ground for the Holy Spirit the war that you don't want no power of there are some wars you'll be like David running at them I'm ready 
That's the one that the Lord said, no, send someone else for that one. <laughs> Let God pick the battle. Let God pick the battleground and the battle time. You see, I'm telling you, it's wartime, right? And even in wartime, generals don't go to battle in every moment. They, they wait. Sometimes they wait. They wait until the sun goes down to catch the enemy off guard. Sometimes they wait for backup to arrive. Even police officers, when they realize that there are certain situations that are serious enough, they don't even go outside of their car. They wait for the proper time and the proper place. They say sometimes motorcycles, when there's a motorcycle chase, they don't even chase the motorcycle. They just wait for the proper time. They wait for the motorcycle. They, they trace the, the license plate. Don't even chase them. Show up at their house. Burp, burp. You see, there's a proper battleground, and there's a proper battle time. Doesn't mean that you're out of the war. Just means it might not be the right time, right place. Luke 4.33. And I'm closing shortly. Luke 4.33, it says, in the synagogue. You see, this is something that can be confusing both for mature Christians and new born-again believers and the unsaved, the people that are not yet saved, the people that don't yet have the Holy Spirit, but they're going in the right direction towards Christ. They might not be aware that the devil will come right up in the house of God. He always has come up in the house of God. That's no reflection on the pastor, the church, or the house of God. It just means that wherever people gather in the name of Jesus, the devil's right there trying to interfere. Now, I believe there are some more demonic activity in some churches more than others. Uh, sometimes it's because there's doctrine in the house. Or sometimes because there's unaddressed sin in the house. Or other times there is just idol worship all over the house. Praying to statues and doing all types of things that the Bible literally tells us not to do. That ushers in demonic activity. But even in the true houses of God, the legitimate houses of God, look at what it says. It says, in the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon. Now look, where do you want the demon-possessed men to go? Come here. Come to Strongsville Christian Church and let us ask the devil out of you in the name of Jesus. Let us cast the devil out with the praise and worship. Let us cast the devil out with the preaching. Let us cast the devil out by laying our hands and speaking in tongues. Come. 
Because you don't have to stay that way. Where is the demon possessed supposed to go to get delivered? Are they going to go to the strip club to get delivered? You think that stripper on the pole is going to lay hands and cast the devil out? Are they going to go to the bartender at Jack's Pub and the bartender is going to speak in tongues and cast the devil out? You think they're going to go to Walgreens and shop for deliverance? There was a time that I was demon-possessed. And God delivered me. And now it's time to go to war. What am I at war for? We're at war for souls. Souls, lost souls on their way to hell. Souls that are not redeemed. Souls that are bound in prison, taken captive. We're at war. It's time to soul win. Because I'll tell you what, our time is running out. Not just of this service. Our time is running out. The days are getting shorter and shorter. There's no time to go back to the good old days. We're in 2021. Them good old memories of gas prices being 50 cents a gallon. Yeah, that's a nice thought. Tell that to Sleepy Joe. A demon-possessed man with an impure spirit in the synagogue, he cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want to do with us? Jesus of Nazareth. You see, the devil recognizes the authority of Jesus. And i got to tell you, this devil, this demon-possessed man, he had more humility than a lot of folks that will sit in church. They'll be sitting there with their demons, try to, you know... No, we're good. We got it all together. Demon possessed, tormented. Just, well, maybe they don't know I have a couple demons. This man, he wanted to get delivered. And I'm going to tell you, I don't care if you have every demon in hell tormenting you. The authority in the name of Jesus trumps the greatest devil. Say, go away. What do you want to do with us, Jesus as Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. This is the devil speaking. I know who you are. The Holy One of God. Jesus said, Be quiet. Sternly. You see that? When we go to war, Jesus didn't say, I love you. <laughs> he could have. He didn't say, I love you. He said, shut up. And he didn't just say, would you kindly 
kindly if you don't mind? Is it possible if you can find the time to shut up? If it be convenient at your time, I don't want to offend you or... He said, shut up! Come out! And the devil didn't try to debate the King James Version Bible. He didn't say, how many followers do you got? Then the devil threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. This is my last point, folks. In every war is a chance to spread the gospel of Jesus for souls to be saved. Do you know that there is no better advertisement for our church than for me to go into Walgreens and go to war with the devil in front of just a few. It wasn't recorded on TV. Yes, I made a video testifying about it. I had to. And there was even a rattling in my voice as I was given the video. But there is no greater advertisement than to publicly dominate the devil. And there was only two witnesses, maybe three or four, that saw And even that woman who was being oppressed by a mighty man, she got to witness that there was power in the name of Jesus. The man who tormented her, the man who had so much power and so much authority and so much anger and so much bitterness and hate and violence and all that authority that he had, she got to witness a man half his size and double his age overpower him without even lifting a pinky and cause that man to back up now maybe I didn't lead them in a sinner's prayer and maybe you won't but you have the same opportunity to go forth wherever you go and to pray and to cast out demons, to share the gospel. Houses of worship, churches as essential places that provide essential services. Man, you have a problem figuring out what you're for me to drop and you ain't black. Man, the corn pop was a bad dude. And he ran a bunch of bad boys. I can hardly wait to meet with that guy who is the stable genius. Come on, man. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Wealthy kids. Black, white, all colors, all backgrounds, what I mean. Come on, man. Why don't you call this a Chinese virus? It's not racist at all, no. Not at all. It comes from China. 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 China.
not racist at all. No, not at all. It comes from China. Strongsville Christian Church. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach good news.